Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Hypnotic Healers. This is Anthony. And today, Nicole and I are super excited. Well, before I start that, let's start with the uh, disclaimer that nobody on this show is a doctor. And so if you are on any kind of uh, medications, don't make any decisions based upon our opinions, right? You always go and you check with your primary care physician, take what you like and leave the rest. Um, and now we're going to jump right in because Nicole and I are super excited to have with us a, a Sarah Picaro out of Gilbert, Arizona, Rewrite Your Life, an RTT specialist. She is uh, got a book out there, How to Raise a Healthy Child When the Other Parent is a narcissist. I have no idea what a narcissist is because I've never come across one. And there wasn't even one running this country for four years. Oh, wait, I shouldn't have said that. Um, but anyway, here is Nicole to finish the introduction. Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the next episode. I am super, super excited to have a lovely, lovely, this lovely lady here with us today to talk about her speciality and her niche area, her story. And um, yeah, hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. This is exciting. Yeah, so nice to have you here. So um, why don't you tell us a bit more about your niche? Hmm. <laughs> I think Anthony did a great job. Um, anyone who experienced that has experienced. It's interesting because I work with people uh, specifically. I always say you can't heal in the same environment that's making you sick. Like that, for example, if you're physically sick and you find out that your house is infested with black mold, you cannot stay in that house and drink, drink green juice and then expect to just get better. You need hmm. to either remove all of it, get to the source of where it's coming from. Let's say there's like a pipe leak or something. You need to remove that. So I work with people specifically after they've been in a relationship with a narcissist and more so are realizing uh, it's generally by the time that we connect, uh, not the first narcissist they've had in their life and maybe mm. don't know the first one. In my case, it went back to my upbringing, um, the, the environment, the experience I had as a child, uh, which, you know, I don't want to go around labeling. I don't diagnose narcissists, but the patterns and behaviors that I saw in this particular you know, environment, a person led to me being with them, you know, in a personal relationship, marriage, um, you know, father of my child. So that's where I work with people when they realize that they're the common denominator. There's something about them that's kind of attracting these types of people. And uh, they're horribly, <laughs> horribly like damaging people emotionally. They lack, basically they, they, lack emotional empathy, um, gaslight you, manipulate you, and just really invalidate you, break you down on all levels, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We're talking about the narcissist here. Yeah, the not, narcissist, not your clients. Not yeah. the clients, but well, the client ends up feeling like they're just a shell of a person and feeling yeah. no worth, no value, no self-esteem, no confidence. So I'm getting excited here because I, I hear what you're saying. And I, so now I don't know 
Nicole knows, so I come from a background of really kind of working the program of Codependence Anonymous for more than 20 years, right? And so I hear what you're talking about and having been in relationships with narcissistic people. So how much of the work that you do, do you help them to start to recognize what their responsibility is in where they are in the present moment and recognizing how maybe they're not necessarily attracting that, but they are attracted to that? Uh, and so we, I don't do coaching specifically. I have exercises in the program that I do that has them really go within inquiry based exercises that has them go within to make these connections and awarenesses because that space, it's their blind spot. They mm-hmm. don't know what they don't know, but they know how they feel. They know they're constantly feeling exhausted, um, just overextending, putting themselves out there, trying to be what they think this person wants them to be. So they'll be treated with respect, love, kindness, compassion, that the giving and receiving will be more balanced because these types of people do a ton of giving to right. everyone. Well, they, they, they throw a bunch of adoration onto the person in mm-hmm. hopes that they're going to get some sort of recognition back and Definitely. something in return. And so they beg, 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 beg. And usually that narcissist will take that adoration for so long. And then they're like, fuck it. You're smothering me. I'm done with this. Get the hell away from me. What, what are you doing? Don't you have a life of your own? And so then that other person starts to turn and walk away. And as soon as they turn their back, they call it the back walking away, I think is what Pia Melody calls it. And as soon as that happens, then the narcissist goes, well, I'm not getting my adoration anymore. And so they tap on the shoulder of the person walking away and go, you know what, maybe I could change a little bit of the stuff that I'm doing. And so they run right back and start getting that adoration again. And the cycle just continues. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's lovely. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, <laughs> So we, we have the conscious based exercises that are really inquiry based, not journaling like, oh, how was your day? Oh, I went no contact. Like in my case, I can't be no contact. We have a child together. Right. So if there's a way of minimizing, right? We call it extreme limited contact, but it's just over email. That's it. Uh, but emotionally, the things that can occur within the person we do our work obviously using hypnosis and power of our minds that the unconscious that connects to the conscious uh to really get really deep into the root of those patterns of why you do because most people go i don't know why i take him back every time or i don't know why i want him back or her back or whoever it is (sighs) that's what they want to get rid of and as we know, using hypnosis, there's only a certain level of understanding with conscious awareness. And so we do the majority of our work in our hypnosis sessions to change, break those unconscious patterns and loops and negative thoughts. And then the conscious stuff kind of just comes in the stuff that they know that they've read about, you know, they've read codependent no more, or they've read mm-hmm. boundaries. Like That's all a great stuff. book. Yes. Codependent no more is good. Um, I'll tell you what's even better. Um, is Robin Norwood's book, Women Who Love Too Much. Mm. That is an amazing book. Um, I recommend it to almost everybody because you can get it for like $2.95 on Amazon used. Um, I used to buy stacks of them and give them to clients. Um, so, so by the time they come to you, Sarah, they're already pretty educated on, on what's so. going on for them. Mm-hmm. And, and they 
most of the time tried other things. They've tried counseling uh, with or therapy with the narcissist that will never go anywhere except in circles, <laughs> like a dog chasing its tail. So they've tried mm-hmm. that. They've read a ton of books. They've listened to podcasts. They're they're on all kinds of you know groups and platforms of other people in the same boat telling them, oh, mm-hmm. just do this, just do this. And then they still feel like, I know, but, and so they're kind of in that. And that's the blind spot, isn't it? It's the, Mm -hmm. it's the, but I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're primarily an RTT therapist. Yeah. I trained in rapid transformational therapy and have also done other modalities of therapy. Uh, like they're just a hypnosis, uh, more conversational, more like the emotional release, because sometimes just, talking about it or regression RTT is, is a regression based therapy and it works wonderfully when it works. <laughs> but a lot of people who've been in relationship with narcissists when they get to me have come from very extensive traumatic backgrounds and therefore almost have black spots in their memory. They can't remember, they find it difficult to go back and they just want to go forward. So mm-hmm. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, primarily, you know, that was my initial hypnosis training was rapid transformational therapy, but I've done others now because I've seen those uh, spaces where people just couldn't go, but needed to. Uh, to to really further and deepen their healing. Right on, right on. Yeah, I I because a lot of from what I understand, I don't know a lot about RTT except for what I've learned from Nicole. But it sounds a lot like the five path that I was first trained in, um, where you're going in and you're doing a lot of forgiveness work, inner child work. Mm-hmm. Um, the the difference is, I guess, from you guys, you guys do it in like one 90 minute session, and we would do it uh, spread out over you know several weeks. Um, and so, yeah, it sounds, it's, that's a lot of work and it can be hard on the client. Um, if it's, you know, if, if it's, if it's that regression stuff and they ab react, I mean, we were specifically looking for ab reaction when we were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. that's how we were taught. And so it can be pretty traumatic as you're well aware. So I'm, I'm I was glad to leave it behind myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been really happy to move forward, um, have that as a tool because some people absolutely love it and mm-hmm. it does get phenomenal results, but now more focused on not taking them back to a traumatic event, which I want to caveat. It didn't always occur that way. And right. oftentimes they would link, ah, oh, this is why I attracted narcissists. It was actually because when I was five, you know, my, my brother would get everything and I would get nothing. I would be the one getting yelled at, getting in trouble. And therefore it left me feeling helpless, invisible, scared, Mm -hmm. afraid to say anything. Because even if I said, no, my brother did this, it wasn't me. It wouldn't matter. Mom and dad would come down hard on me. So I just learned to just shut up and take it. And now 30 years later, same patterns and actions, habits, and beliefs. So it wasn't necessarily actually majority of the people didn't go back to really traumatic events in RTT or in regression, but they were able to make a link and a connection, like to, to have the bridge there and go, Oh, I can see it now. So it's it's that aha moment, isn't it? It's like the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well then that is a little bit different and that's, that's why it can be done so quickly. And that makes a lot more sense because that, and that certainly doesn't sound as traumatic as what, as what, unfortunately, the folks that I was working with were having to experience for a lot of the time. Um, yeah, the majority of the scenes that they would go back to or the events or past events uh, actually had, A, had nothing to do with the 
narcissist in their adult or current life and sometimes had to do with you know things that were seemingly irrelevant like I had one client I remember in particular go back she had an invisible friend because she was an only child mom and dad you know alcoholics codependent on each other and she was just always left alone and every scene she went back to she was alone and Mm -hmm. we're, we're hardwired to be connected. And Mm -hmm. so she would go out into the edge of her family's home, big, you know, acres and trees and play with her invisible friends, her imaginary friends. And she wanted to tell other kids at school about it, but they thought, they thought she was weird. And she actually felt more connected to the invisible friends than she did to real people. And there's obviously, you know, a a disconnect in her mind there. They think I'm weird. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and her family didn't have a lot of money because it was spent on the alcohol. So she looked weird or weird old clothes. And she's like, gosh, I never, ever would have thought. I mean, in, in the scene, she told me about her imaginary friend. And she's like, I, I, I know now because I'm grown up, but she had a name. Uh, we would do these really fun games together. And so she was very disconnected from reality and felt like that was my only connection was disconnection. Hmm. And how sad is that? Right. And, and how awesome is it to be able to help somebody move from that place to a, a place of acceptance and, and, and yeah, just being feeling as if you're enough. Exactly. That, and, and that's really what all of that is around of seeing those holes, almost like Swiss cheese, there's holes in it, of not enough. And then you can put those back in because you, you realize what the event was that took that away and then can say, that's, I'm not five years old anymore. I don't have that imaginary friend anymore. Uh, I don't need to believe that the only way to feel <sighs> happy and free from all that is to go be on my own. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a really cool uh, way to connect and put the, pu- the missing puzzle pieces in for them. Well, it also in, in the in the aspects of listening to the way that you explain it, right? I mean, it's it's very much like one of the crew members, um, you know, or an ego state. Here is, you know, the idea of being able to withdraw into the self is where it's safe. And as we just become more and more likely to do that, and then you add the school kids on. So it, it happens at home as a way to stay safe for mom and dad. And then kids at school think I'm weird. And so now I, I enter that ego state again. And now that ego state becomes a primary ego state that happens that I just reside with, right? It, it's, it's, it's the teacher of the class and everybody else needs to sit down and be quiet because withdraw here is in charge. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I, I like, I like, I love the work that we are able to do. I think that we're three of us are very lucky. Are we not? I wake up so grateful every day. It's just so incredible. Yeah. To be able to tell us a bit about your story, Sarah, because you've the past few years have been a bit of a, a, yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've done amazing work. I've been watching you over the past sort of couple of years and I've seen your progression and I've seen you, honestly, you are a, a wave that, you know, kind of everybody wants to be on with you. It's just amazing. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. We don't see it because a lot of the work, especially now, uh, is behind this computer screen, right? And we put it out there and hope that we can reach and help and touch and heal as many people as possible, even if they don't become quote unquote clients, right? We can, we're all connected and putting that out there. My story, I think the biggest part of it was having my daughter, um, with, with the last narcissist and there's different types, right? <laughs> so they're kind of hard to, to identify or to 
to classify um, this one, what I later learned uh, after already too far into the pool was a malignant narcissist. And I was married previously to what I now know as a covert narcissist. And then my upbringing, my, one of my parents was very codependent, empathetic. And the other one was just, uh, I wouldn't even say narcissist, but definitely lacked emotional empathy and the ability to connect and provide space for us to my brother and I to express emotions uh, and our feelings. So the biggest part of the story was when I ended up having my daughter um, get pregnant um, from this last narcissist. And uh, of course, complete turbulence and turmoil before then he was an alcoholic uh, while I was pregnant, left him, he went to alcohol rehab and the whole don't leave me. Uh, I, we can work on this and let me prove it to you. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And of course I wanted to believe that because I had a baby on the way. I was financially dependent. I, I did work a corporate job, but barely made enough money that if I were to have lived on my own, I still would have been in debt every month. So of course I'm freaking out and then bring another human into the mix. And this person who wants to work on it mm -hmm. and is telling me, you're going to ruin our family. You're going to destroy us. And who wants to start off a life with a child like that? So of course let him in, but it wasn't until she was about a year old and we were having massive arguments. He was flying, traveling, leaving all the time. I now know was with other women, <clears throat> multiple women, uh, and stopped paying the mortgage, the cars, all the bills. And they were all in my name because he had nothing. And I, of course, happily and willingly put it in my name to support him. When he lost a job, they oftentimes go from one thing to another in many different ways. And we were having a huge argument one day. And I remember my favorite coffee cup and I love coffee. So it was a big one and, and I'm drinking hot coffee. Thank God it was hot coffee. I'll never take this back. People are like, do you regret that? No, we're having a huge <laughs> argument. And I, and you go crazy. Like you cannot wrap your brain around what is going on. And so the anger and the rage just it was a fight. I can't even remember what it was about, but I remember taking it and just looking at his head and like, my image just wanting this to shatter on his face and like third degree burn his face. That's what I wanted. Cause I just felt like I'm fucking done. Like I cannot live like this. And so he went like that and it missed. And then he laughed at me and he was like, God, do you see you? You're so like lots of cuss words, crazy. And my daughter was there and she was standing there covering her ears, just crying. And I thought, Sarah, what the fuck are you doing? He will wow. never change. You know, this it's been three years and now it's just getting worse. And now not only is he the problem, you're the problem. Look at what you're doing to her and looking at her. I had this flash and this image of 20 years in the future, her coming home, walking through the door with an abusive person and me telling her that's not okay. And I thought if I stay, that's what I'm, that's the path. I'm going to mm -hmm. put her down. And so I just thought I need, I need to get out. I mean, goosebumps. Like, so yeah, me too. <laughs> it, it, I, I was done. Also like with all of that, I, I wanted to die. He was in the military. So he had guns all over the house. And I started like fantasizing, looking at those guns. And that's not me. I'm like a bubbly, happy person, but I was looking at the guns, fantasizing. Uh, I actually like got to the point one time where I took one and I drove around in my car and like was looking for the spot to do it. Right. 
And I'm like, what the, I can't live like this. And the environment I'm in, like he wasn't standing there forcing me to do that. I was me. And I realized I need to do something different. And now I have this little baby that depends on me figuring this out. <laughs> you know, you just said something, by the way, that's amazing. It, 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 I always find it interesting that one thing that clicks for us when we're, when we're in that situation and we finally go, what the hell am I doing to myself? But more importantly, you said something that I, I, I just want to, I want to focus on for a second. You removed your, it was the environment. It was, and that is a really important statement and, and, and a recognition that I think a lot of people don't, they kind of pass over as just something that they don't focus on. And it's the environment, right? Removing yourself from the environment, having that recognition. And I have to applaud you. Because, you know, when I have clients come in and they talk that they have children and, and little children, especially, I always remind them as adults, we have the option of learning, but we never have the option of what we're teaching. And so you have that recognition, that, that immediate sense of I'm teaching her how to be treated as a woman by a man and what is acceptable. And, and wasn't it amazing and beautiful that there is the, there is, there was the lesson for you. And that was what it, that's what it took, right? The universe. Sometimes I tell people it will hit us harder and harder and harder until we get it yep. and look at what it took, but look at how beautiful now that you're able to show your daughter the opposite, the, the way out. Mm -hmm. right? That's awesome. That's really beautiful. And I, I, I never, and he knew that that's, that's what that type of personality does is they learn about what you want. My deepest, deepest, deepest desire was to have a family, a loving family. You know, <laughs> like we go on family vacations together and we, we do everything together. And so that's what he would use to gaslight, to say those things to me. And was like, really, I can give that to you. You're the one you're going to break us up. You're going to destroy all of this this is you. Mm. And, and we were in my home. And, and so leaving my home, like my, I had to like take my ego and choke it out and rip it up and move into my childhood bedroom in another state with my child, with my parents, leave my house and, and like go to extremes to get my name and all of our stuff separated. I mean, I basically had to blackmail him to sign papers. Like he, he only cared about the things that would help him in his life, guns and, and knives. That's what he does for a living. He teaches people how to use those. And I had to take those, lock them away in a, um, in a, a storage unit and then say, you're not getting them back. And I thought he was going to like pull one and use it on me. I really did. Cause that's the only thing he cared about. But I thought, you know what, this child, every child deserves the best that their parents can give them. And I'm giving her my worst. Like, and I didn't even know it could get this bad. And I don't even want to see where it can continue to go because I thought it was at the end of the road. And I well, thought that's what I'm giving her. You know, Sarah, I, mean, Sarah, I want, I, I hear that. And, and I, I feel compelled to, to say that you weren't giving her your worst. You were giving her the best of what you could at the time. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's something that I think is important for people to understand. We're always yeah. giving 
best of what we can in the moment. We don't right. always have the tools that we need right. in order to move ahead. And yeah. you really had something amazing also that was backing you up. You could go to your parents. Yeah. And, and yes, it was might have been a blow to your ego, but isn't that a lot better oh, than incredible. having to go to a shelter? Yeah. Right. And, and think of the strength it takes in order. Look at the strength it took for you to go to someplace that was safe and familiar and look at the fear behind this helps people to understand why it's so af- scary for people to leave a situation like that, because they go to a, a shelter with their child from a home where they've, you know, I mean, that's a scary thing to do. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, again, I applaud you. I applaud your journey. Um, that's it. That's a, it's an, it's an amazing story. What's interesting. Another thing too, is I'm not a big drinker. I like a glass of wine every now and then I was drinking three or four glasses of wine a night. I mean, I was, I, I was, I wouldn't say that I was a drunk, but it was every night. And, and here I'm like having to care for this newborn child. And while I couldn't at five o'clock somewhere, Oh, it's well two o'clock in the afternoon when I was stay at home mom and oh, it's five o'clock somewhere. And I would start. And then and like, it just wasn't good. I was, and no one was making me drink. No one was making me, I was doing it. And I thought, what's going to happen? Like, what if I get a DUI or right? What if I, you know, all our mind does these, what if games, you know, mm. and it was horrible things. And I thought it would be my fault. I would get her taken away from me. Like, it, or, but where she could be killed. We could both be killed in the car accident or we could kill someone else. Like, and I just thought, I, what am I doing? I'm smart. I'm educated. I, I have all these like a good life resume, right? It looks good on paper. It looked really good. Straight A student, you know, looks good on paper, homeowner, like educated corporate job, but, oh, <laughs> so that, that was the biggest event that, that just a huge pivotal turning point for me. I need to do something different. I need to figure this out. We are not going to figure this out together. That's not ever going to be, even though a part of me hoped and wished it would. And he would still feed that even when we had to move. Well, we're both going to work on us and then we're going to be a family again. And I said, okay. And I, I, part of me did want that, but another part of me was like, that's never going to happen. And I'm okay with that. I actually don't want to go backwards. I'm ready to go forward. I don't know where forward is. And so now (laughs) when you have clients who come in that are in that kind of a similar situation, um, how often, and it sounds like you're willing to share your story, which I think is really important for people in those situations to be able to hear, which is why I attended Codependence Anonymous for 20 years every Sunday morning, right? Um, and, 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 and so do you share that openly as, as ways to provide insight for your own clients? And, you know, look, there is actually, there, there is the way out because look at where I'm at. And, and do you ever use that for them? Um, the way that we work together, not now or probably not often enough. And as you said that, I probably need to do another, you know, because we, we get different people coming in and out of our lives. Um, now I talk more about their pains, where they're at, you know, we, people like to talk about themselves and, and, and just have them know, I, I know, I get it. I get it. But really mm-hmm provide the space for them to open up. Uh, I don't want to make it about myself, especially with them. I want to know because I didn't feel seen or heard. And thankfully I had a, I have a wonderful mother, very loving and caring. And I felt 
heard with her. And so now when I connect with clients, I do want to also provide what my wonderful mother did for me, a space to be heard. And I feel like that allows them to open up. So if they ask, I'll share, but I, I'd rather make it about them and where they're Well, at. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you make it all about you, but do you ever drop little insights when you're having that conversational sort of work with them where you kind of drop in those little insights based upon your own personal experience of. Yeah, I, I will. Because then they go, uh, definitely. Because then it, there's another connection point. Ah, oh, you get it. I know you get it. Right. Yeah. This is hard. This is one of the hardest things because it's a relationship and you did love that person. And then when you realize who you loved or who you thought you loved actually doesn't exist. It's yeah. like a mind fuck. It's like part of my friend, but you just, how it was so real for me. Like every cell of my body felt its realness. And then if that happened once, could it happen again? Cause I can't go through this again. I barely made it out of this. So I'll, I will share that way. They go, okay, you get it. You know? And then it's, uh, I'm not alone, but oh, when it, when, where and how it's appropriate so that they feel yeah. connected instead of isolated. So when, when you chose this niche and you started making, cause I mean, you've got a very active YouTube channel, you're on, you're very active on TikTok and Facebook. And I mean, all over the place, when you decided to go down this road of this niche, how, how did you feel about putting yourself out there with your Horrified. story and making this content? And <laughs> terrified because yeah. uh like like they will do in their their typical fashion threaten to destroy you mm. and they have already destroyed you spiritually emotionally mentally and now i thought i want to go into this business of helping others who are there and he always would tell me he would destroy me he would tell my family he's going to destroy them and he was a destroyer. That was his upbringing and background. And he was able to put himself into a position in society where he was rewarded for that. And, mm -hmm. and so, so much fear. And so I started just dipping my, my toe in. And when I did that, I felt even more disconnected, but I was afraid. Like I, I felt dis I was afraid to say the truth. And, and then I just thought, you know what? You've already destroyed me, destroy me try. Like, I don't care at this point and I'm going to speak my story. And obviously, you know, privacy, I've never, ever mentioned his name and I never would. And actually we don't even have the last same last name because we were never married. And I, I genuinely will speak to other people who have children with them. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also have the other experience of being married to one that I didn't have children with. So there's, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, so I thought, you know what, if I just speak my truth and my story, but I don't say the name, if, if this gets legal, how are you going to say there's any slander or defamation of character? And those are the threats I receive from him. And I say, okay, well, let's go to court then. That's what court is for. Uh, I am allowed to speak my truth and say my story. So yes, you you're going to make me afraid and, and make me feel that I can't. But, you know, I am allowed to and I'm going to. But I was terrified. <laughs> 
Good for you. Amazing. It's so amazing to hear you say that. And, and I think it's such an important message to put out there for, for so many people to hear that, you know, despite of your fear, that's, you know, courage, courage is not the opposite of fear. It's the antidote to it. And the more you do what makes you afraid, the more courageous you become, right? And the more the healthier you feel because you're actually getting out and releasing all of yeah. those things that you've been holding on to. And it's just like this, I can breathe now because I can talk. Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, my heart, I would, I would literally had moments where I'd look down and I could like see my shirt moving. My heart was beating so rapidly and, and so profoundly. And I, I was shaking my first several videos on that I put out, I'm holding my phone like this and, and just laughing and, and crying the 20 second lives because I just, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. So, but I, I knew what helped me, you know, Melody, is it Melody Beatty? No, that's a codependent no more. Uh, journey, journey to the heart. Yoga was my, my therapy and my healing. Uh, so a 365 day meditation book. So meditations, yoga, all of these things that basically had me know that having problems and struggles and trials and tribulations in life is okay. And it's normal because I was raised to believe that I had to be perfect. And I had to, everyone had to like me. And if someone didn't like me, it was, it was my fault. I was doing something wrong. So the first start of putting myself out there was lots and lots and lots of yoga every single day. <laughs> and then meditations, journaling. I think it's a very similar path that a lot of people take. Uh, and I would just cry in yoga class and then, you know, read a meditation. And that's what I started sharing in the beginning was kind of meditation quotes that would maybe help other people go, wow, it's okay to struggle. It's actually, if you're not struggling, <laughs> you're not living. <laughs> yeah. It's a part of it. And it's coming through that. Yeah. And isn't that so, isn't that such a great example? You know, I don't know if you've read the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel uh -huh. van der Kolk, you know, yeah. like going through that, going through that experience in your body as well, yeah. like all of that fear and, and emotion stored in the body, going to yoga, moving the body, moving all of that energy, crying with it, releasing yeah. with it, that, you know, that's an amazing, amazing process. And that's, that's life, isn't it? That's, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm so thankful for yoga. That was the beginning of my my journey, nature I used to hike a lot, you know, before we moved, I was a lot closer to the mountains and I would, we get in a huge fight and I would just go for a four hour hike and I'd come home and be like, ah, but then immediately, like, ah. <laughs> so uh, like Anthony said, you know, getting out of the environment, but also getting into your body and, and feeling it, crying, releasing, moving, that like moving meditation was big for me in the beginning. Yeah. But I yeah. was terrified to start sharing my story. And I realized, I don't know what it was specifically. This is where he wants me to be. He wants mm -hmm. me to be terrified. He wants me to be afraid because then he still has control over me. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I thought, you know what? F that mother, <laughs> he's not going to have control over me anymore. And I, I thought I have to do this. If I yeah. really want to completely be free myself, I have to, there's a book called feel, feel the fear and do it anyway, or feel the fear and, and something like that. And again, Anthony, we're talking about a very powerful, but inexpensive books. I think it's 99 cents. And I read that and I thought, feel the fear and do it anyway. I, I yeah. need to do this anyway. Mm. I, 
I have to, if I really want to be free, I have to put myself out there, my story, my message. And and that's the ultimate connection with self, isn't it? Being able to feel the fear, feel what's going inside of you and, you know, even sit with it, work with it, process it and go through it and, and then and then do the thing anyway. And, and just being able to be aware of what's going on in your body and connecting with that. That's the, for me, that's the ultimate connection with self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sarah, it's just so fascinating talking to you, hearing your story. I know you do the most amazing work with people and I've already mentioned that people can find you all over the place. Um, why don't you share your, share your kind of website and book and where, how people can find you and get in touch with you. And also all of that will be in the show notes as well. Cool. Um, so like you said, I'm everywhere. <laughs> um, I do a a lot on Facebook. I'm moving more towards YouTube now because uh, for a couple of reasons, a, a benefit for both. It's kind of a win-win. YouTube is, is I called it Dr. YouTube. And in the beginning of my journey, it helped. My mother sent me a video on, because she basically said, shit or get off the pot. Like you're either going to live with him and you're just going to put up with it because I would say, I can't handle this. Or so she sent me a video about living with a narcissist. Um, Uh, so a YouTube video really helped me identify, okay, I'm either going to leave and, and just do it and be terrified and afraid, but then feel better later on, or I'm going to stay and suffer the rest of my life. Uh, so YouTube is now where I'm putting more content out there because you can search for, you know, why, why do I feel like I'm going crazy? Well, (laughs) maybe your relationship and it may be this. Uh, so I'm doing more on YouTube now because it's always there. Facebook and Instagram is, is wonderful. I do post on there, but it goes away after a couple Mm. days and only a certain small percentage of it gets shown. So I do a lot there. Uh, and then TikTok as well, but those are really short clips and videos. So it's more about, you know, things that you may be feeling or experiencing, but I'm moving in a lot more towards YouTube because it stays forever. You can find it, you can rewatch it, you can share it more so than Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, but I, I'm on all those as well. But the website, uh, what I found is that this has been a journey to rewriting my life. Like I get to write the ending now. Um, I didn't have any control over the beginning and then what was happening presently, but what I do presently affects the futures. And then you can rewrite your life at any time in many ways. So that's the website is rewrite your life, but there's dashes between the re dash, write dash your dash life, but that's the website. And then if anyone wants to connect, there's, um, you just click on book a call and then fill out a quick, you know, questionnaire. And then we connect one-on-one over Zoom so I can get to know, you know, whoever it is that would may possibly want to work together and then share with them exactly how I work with people. Um, Client results testimonials are on there and it's through people who've been through all kinds of situations, whether it's childhood, whether it's a current relationship, how they got out of one, anxiety, all of the stuff that's connected to this very core thing. Amazing. So on YouTube, it's Sarah Picaro or it's Rewrite Your Life? It's just my name. Yeah. Sarah Picaro. Okay. The website is also, if you actually, they're the same thing. If you put in sarahpicaro.com, it'll just take you to my website. So anywhere my name is, we'll bring up how we can connect. Very good. Very, very good. (laughs) 
You know, I want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, I always like to. I hear- didn't know we were going to do that today. <laughs> well, that's, you know what? We did. We never know what we're going to do on this. Yeah. And because I talked about that, that it's, it's a conversation about how we get to where we are, why we are where we are, and what it is that we offer people and why we believe that we can do that and why we're the right person to do that. Right. And, and so I appreciate your candor. I appreciate the fact you're willing to share your story because it's in that willingness that we all get to grow ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, it was through listening to stories like that for for six, seven years, every Sunday morning um, that I got to where I am today. Right. And and sharing those sorts of things. So I I applaud you and, and and I very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for being here and and the same as Anthony I'm um yeah your your story is inspiring you are inspiring I love connecting with you and um yeah we will definitely keep in touch and keep on connecting yay thank you guys this is what I just wanted to talk all day <laughs> <That's been laughs> wonderful so thank you so much for having me you're welcome Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.